attention. This is part two of a two-part podcast. If you have not listened to part A, please go to your appropriate aggregator, download it, enjoy it, and then come back and listen to part two. You have been warned. Welcome to the Skeptic Wire. Plenty of other crazy that we had to deal with here in the year 2014, but there was also some good stuff. So let's talk about some of that. Like a, let's do a year in review. <laughs> yeah, please, yeah. please let us get. And I hope, I hope that your year in re- review stories have nothing to do with elves and unicorns. Oh, damn! Gary's got to scrap mine. his entire list. <laughs> <laughs> there goes mine because it was all about unicorns. Yeah, because uh, uh, my. My first story was how how the the elves rode the giant eagles in to in Lord Mordor. of the Rings. <laughs> Apparently, um, yeah. How, okay. How the I, eagles could carry more than a one pound coconut? <laughs> I, I I remember reading at some point this this wonderful idea on how. I'm just going to keep going. The whole Lord of the Rings thing, that it it was all actually a failed plan because Gandalf's original plan was to go east, find the eagles, and the eagles would just fly them into Mordor. But he didn't tell anybody that plan just in case the orcs would find out. So when um, Gandalf falls and apparently dies, nobody knows what the real plan is. So they actually go through with the stupid-ass plan of walking into Mordor. As opposed to, I don't know, giving the ring to a fucking eagle and saying... Just drop, drop it, it in the yeah. mountain? <laughs> Just drop it in the fucking mountain. <laughs> anyway. anyway. Well, this is kind it of... It was an interesting a- to me, but... This apparently- was kind of an aside today. Apparently, Peter Jackson came out today and said that he would never go beneath himself and do a big budget comic book movie. Because, you know, you have to stay true to your roots. And I'm all like, dude, you are the man who is like, fuck the whole genre with the Hobbit series, Okay. <laughs> True to his roots, like making Meet the Feebles? <laughs> yeah. No, I, he was just, he, he was knocking on comic book movies about how, you know, they're ruining movies and it's all about the big budget and everything else. And I'm all like, what the fuck have you been doing for the past 10 years? <laughs> yeah, but the Lord of the Rings is literature. Sure. Sometimes <laughs> hard to get through. It's literature about guys walking. They walk. <laughs> And in the second movie, it's so long, the trees fucking walk. It's pretty much the same uh, plot as uh, all the Clan of the Cave Bear books. They walk, they fuck, they walk, they fuck, they walk, they they fuck. Yeah. Not a lot of fucking going on in Middle Earth. Not so much. That's because everybody's male. They're like three females in the entire book. I'm going to quote Clerks 2 here. If they'd ended it on the logical closure point. (laughs) (laughs) With the really gay look. <laughs> it, might, it might be more interesting. I think we've really digressed now. Uh, Gary, what is something that you remember from this week? Please. <laughs> this week? This year. Well, I, okay. Let's, let's preface this with 
we were told, uh, uh, Greg decreed. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> no, Greg suggested, and there was, and silence equals consent in this case. Okay, he has a point. Bastards. Point to Greg. <laughs> to uh, do three good and three bad for the year. Any, anything that we remember that's good or bad. Vaguely related to skepticism and atheism and yeah, all that. Or science, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, mine are kind of primarily sciencey, with the exception of one. So... I have non-terrestrial awesome. <laughs> so this is one of your good ones. Yes. And it's non-terrestrial, so spacey. Exactly. So it's about Kevin Spacey. Not necessarily. Okay. But he, have, you have to admit it, he's really great in his new TV show. There's the one that's been on for two years? Yeah. Okay. House of Cards? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't uh, call that new. I'm well, just going to keep interacting, Gary, so he can't start. Despite the fact that I insisted that we start five minutes ago. I actually have three sub. Three in one. Three sub awesome. So it's kind of like the Russian nesting dolls. Yes. Okay. Exactly. It's so, inceptioned. <laughs> number one. Enceladus may harbor oceans. That was from earlier in the year, about uh, April. They finally determined after... A lot of speculation that there's like a six-mile-deep ocean on this moon of Saturn. And hence, it may harbor life. So it's like one of the best places that we could go to see if there's actually any life. Of course, we'd have to stay there a while because life doesn't just pop up and go, hey. You know, because <laughs> the elves, for example, they hide. We have no proof of that. So we might oh, find crap, elves there. Elves. We might find elves or, 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 or mer people. Yeah, or, in an or ocean. Unicorns. Or yeah. unicorns, yeah. Well, well unicorns ocean, don't swim very well. Water. Yeah. You know. So so that's that's some really sort cool. of foresty spirity type. Probably something. no forests. But maybe kelp forests. So that that's one of the cool things I thought that came out. Um number two is the Curiosity Rover found a whole lot of stuff, although mainly later in the year. But uh it saw the first transit of another planet on another planet or from another planet right. so mercury transiting the transiting the sun was captured by uh, curiosity evidence that mars could have supported microbial life it saw the flyby of comet c2013a1 in october and then it just found a, a spike in methane which means yeah. that there are probably very, very tiny cows living on Mars. <laughs> and therefore, we now have to call it Moors in honor of, of the cows. tiny cows. Son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, and then last is obviously, well, maybe not so obviously, but to me, obviously, the landing uh, Rosetta orbiting a comet and then uh, Philly or Philae or Philae landing and bouncing, and then landing, and bouncing, and then landing, eventually, <laughs> on comic, uh, Comet uh, 67P. Awesome. See, so. that was actually on my list, was the landing on the comet, because I just, I really am, like, just flabbergasted that we could actually do it. Yeah. <laughs> and had this been, what, last year, uh, I would have said, curiosity, actually landing. <laughs> Which yeah. I right. think we so, did last so year. So that was my... That was one of mine was, was Phil I yes. landing because I, it's pretty fucking neat. I mean, awesome. when you think about it, landing on a comet. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive when we hit planets correctly. I mean, because we fucked up on Mars several times over the last 20 some years. 50% of landing on Mars properly. But to hit an, so much a smaller object, which I think may be moving faster. A lot 
faster. Yeah, than, right. Then yeah. So and plus, it's, it's, it's a it's a pebble. Yes. In, 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 how can you miss a planet? <laughs> well, you no, apparently really, pretty yes. fucking easily. <laughs> Why? Because space is big, like really, really. And big. we have the metric and the imperial system, yeah. which doesn't help either. But yeah, this, so just this tiny little object that one we had to observe it enough to see it to map its path really, really, really well years in advance. Yeah, decade. And fact, you know that advance. is just the the multi body gravitational computations that you'd have to it's do for that. It's the proof of our science, people. Right. <laughs> because when I was reviewing for, for Philae today, I was reading this article about it. It says, landing the Philae on the comet surface was never going to be easy. Well, duh. When ESA <laughs> managers got their first close-up of the comet in July, its unusual rubber duck shape left some fearing that a safe touchdown was impossible. The shape was not the only problem. The surface was hostile with hills and spectacular jutting cliffs that gave way to cratered plains strewn with boulders. If the phili landed on anything other than evening ground, it could topple over, leaving it stranded and defunct. Right. And so, in other words, we sent the sucker out there without really knowing what we were You're sending doing. it to. Yeah. Which, and it still landed, sent us back uh, 24 hours worth of data. Or maybe it was a, eight a hours. few days. Uh, it was. It was like... 36 hours or something. Anyway. But yeah. It was more than a couple hours yeah. worth. Yeah. And that's just the thought that went into that and, and the technology. I mean, we sent this out a decade ago. And it's the <laughs> first time we actually tried this. Yep. And we got like 95% of the way there. I mean, yeah. it didn't – it basically landed a little off, so it died after a few days. But that's still fucking awesome. And yeah. within m mission success parameters and stuff like that. Yep. So did you have a Philae on your top three for the year? No. You um, hate science. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say the the one of my top three, my, my good stuff that happened this year that is related kind of to what you guys were talking about, the science and the, the fascination and the wonder and how awesome it is, is the Cosmos a Space Time Odyssey with Neil deGrasse Tyson airing. Yeah. It premiered in March 2014, ran through June, and there were like 12 or 13 episodes, each one themed on one kind of concept in science, maybe going through history, talking about multiple figures, about like women in science, or radiation, or you know, all that kind of stuff, or, or evolution, and they kept some of the old ideas of the, the, the spaceship of the imagination thing and also that the cosmic calendar if you compress the entire history of the universe into one year how does that calculate it gave you a sense of wonder about the universe and then a sense of how it could apply to everyday people and the awesome stories that personalized it and this was on broadcast tv yep. and fox not, broadcast not tv pbs yeah, yeah. And um, they, they, all they respect to pbs like the first the premiere episode i think they simulcast on all like 12 of their Fox stations all at once. Uh, wow. And then they also repeated on National Geographic. It's out on DVD now. It's on Netflix. Yeah, it was a good, positive, like, yay science moment. So that's why I put it on my my top three. That that didn't make my terrestrial awesome. Oh, I'm sorry. But yeah, that, I, I thought that, that kind of... That's a good one. Because also, like, the, it's like those stories of, wow, we landed something on a comet, and this lander on Mars found neat stuff. 
these stories and TV shows like Cosmos can inspire the next generation. So that's why I kind of tied those together. I, I just realized that I only have two on my terrestrial awesome so I'm just going to put Cosmos there. Oh my god! I have Cosmos on mine too! <laughs> so cool. So, it's a good thing that we're, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're thinking the same, we're thinking so the same what was, wavelength. What was on your terrestrial Awesome. Oh, I we just I just said Cosmo, so we'll just go with that. <laughs> okay, so we want to do a bad one now. Sure. Okay. Well, I'm going to start out with a, there was a Japanese scientist who I guess in June of this year had come up with we found this great way to utilize stem cell research, <laughs> and it was called Stat Cells for uh, Stimulus Triggered Acquisition of Pluripotency. Well, guess what. This was like the way to make adult cells into stem cells so we could uh, do awesome stuff. Regular cells. Right. Yes. So apparently this was the cold fusion of cellular biology because they can't replicate it. Nobody's been able to reproduce it whatsoever. Um, Everybody has backed away from it. And Miss Obakata, who made the claim... Her research partner killed himself in ritual suicide. Cool. Well, hung himself, which is a little bit different than not the whole. Yeah, know, he but in, in, in Japan. Yeah, because of this. Right. Because of this. The shame of and, being a schmuck. Right. And all of the papers where it had been published have gone, retraction, retraction, retraction. Yeah. And I think she just quit. Yes. Just this last week. Finally. So this is kind of my. Oh, it's, Bad news was the the uh, like the Piltown man of uh, uh, yeah. yeah of this great awesome science thing and everybody loves it oh it's a fake so people say well I don't want to believe in science it comes out with fake right. shit this exactly so I'm boo, sorry did I steal boo, your thunder Dr. Donna Obakata, boo boo <clears throat> because stem cell research is so important especially nowadays because it it's probably going to be the only way that we can solve problems like. Uh, degenerative brain disease, such as Alzheimer's, as well as like, you know, um, nerve damage. Nerve d- There's so many things that stem cell research is going to be do- be able to do for us if we could actually, I don't know, get proper funding for it because everybody's having a conniption or, oh my God, aborted fetus cells. Blah, we can't do it. We can't do it. We can't yeah. do it. Yeah, we need those for vaccines. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> so that actually that's, made that's my, my boo. That 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 made that this made one? my list. Yeah, pluripotent stem cells from regular cells shown to be not so is what I wrote. That was one of your bad ones. That yeah. was one of my bad. Oh, yeah. okay. I have six total. All right. Well, um, that, was my, that, was, that was one of my terrestrial. Well, I had terrestrial and non-terrestrial. So I'm going to say one of my not awesome things, the, the bad things that I've felt happened this year. It's it's very specific and very personal, but in the same way, I mean, kind of related in my brain to what Donna was saying, and that involves uh, Parkinson disease, Alzheimer's, and and the, the, the problems of not being able to cure that yet and deal with that is the suicide death of Robin Williams. Yeah. Where you have this someone who's been suffering for years of clinical depression and has been getting help for it, and yet still suffered so badly and had there was a possibility that he had Lewy body dementia, which is w- apparently very common, but essentially 
um, it, there are little protein deposits in the brain, kind of like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and all that, that lead to hallucinations and, and, um, persecution complexes or whatever, but that may have contributed to him killing himself that he had these visions or whatever, but you know, he's did a shit ton of drugs in the seventies and eighties and all that, which also fucked up his brain that we, we still haven't progressed enough in curing these medical diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's through things like stem cells, but also that mental health is still stigmatized enough that someone who is still getting help and is very open about his depression still got to the point where he killed himself or, or apparently killed himself, that sort of thing. Yeah. So that, I mean, it's very specific, very personal because it hit me personally very hard when this kind of uh, celebrity idol of, of someone who seems to have a lot of joy in their life killed themselves. So that was one of my bad things from this year. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I'm going to actually combine two because they, they, they're thematically similar. So it's actually a semi-non-terrestrial, not awesome. One is the Antares launch failure because they used a, a bad engine, basically. It was like an old uh, Russian nine, engine or 1960s, something. 1960s, yeah, from the 60s. So that was just people trying to get stuff done with technology just laying around. And the other one is the Spaceship One accident, which actually killed one of the uh, the pilots. And both of those put a somewhat pall over the uh, commercial space commercial, industry. Commercialization yeah. of, of, of space flight. Yeah. Uh, of course, Spaceship One, uh, I mean, they're... They're gung ho going forward, so that's good. In Antares, it's not gonna—I mean, it's not gonna kill them. But now you have a whole bunch of people going, "Oh my God, shit can happen!" Like we didn't know that, but stupid people <laughs> were putting a lot of money in P money. It's Challenger, like, Columbia, and yeah, yeah but but yeah. a lot of people with money who don't know what the hell they're doing were putting money into it, and then some of them are are now saying, "Oh, I'm gonna you know get get a refund from Spaceship One. I'm not gonna go up in something that's dangerous." It's like, but that's not the. It's That's like, not it, the fucking point. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, if you were only investing in Spaceship One to get a fun ride, you were doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Well, if, if that's the if only reason. Only reason. <laughs> yeah. If if you have the disposable income and you want to support space science and make it more affordable for everybody, industry, and the everyday person, kind of like how uh, plane flights some you know hundred years ago, whatever, were just thing of the rich. Exactly. So let's make it, let's work on the technology, have more people do it, and have the economics of it work out better. That's a good reason to support it and support research and science to find out better technology to do everything better. Exactly. But all you want is like, you know, you're the member of um, some boy band who wants to go into space because you want to be the first boy band in space <laughs> or something. Just for that? No. Nah. But hey, if you've got the money and you're willing to do that and put yourself at risk, but also willing to pay the premium to do that, all that yeah. money does go to back into, into research yeah. and so. But screw you, I want to go. But someone, <laughs> hopefully, some unfortunate accidents won't kill these programs entirely. But right. there are little setbacks, which kind of sucks. Yep, absolutely. So I started, she started, so I guess it's you. Let's go back to a good. All right, let's go back to a good thing. You can stay negative. It's up to you, really. No, I, I think we, we're good. It's a bit of a mixed bag, but I'm going to say in the end it was a positive. 
the Ham on Nine debate. Ah, yeah, that that was uh, that was on my, my on my B list. Your your B list? Well, I, I had thought about putting it on there, but I I decided to go with a little bit more of the technical right. stuff because I'm the technical guy, I guess, on the podcast. So this was in the beginning. I'm always of wrong the year, about it, but I'm here. Back in February of of fourteen, <laughs> and they met in Kentucky. In Legacy Hall of the Creation Museum, and they had a what three hour debate, two and a half hour debate. Which well, they both had sides a, claim they won. They had a, they didn't have a debate. They had a three hour long talking at each other. Yes, with such uh, memorable gems as well. There's a book <laughs> where basically Ham was like, "Well, the only answers we need are in the Bible cool. because the Bible says it's true." So the only answers we need in the Bible because the Bible says it's true. It says the only answers we need. And you get in this, this self-eating circle and stuff like that. It seemed a lot of Bill Nye's comments were about uh, the flood and disproving the flood to well, disprove young earth creationism. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I guess it was a good thing that he focused on one narrow area rather than try to kind of just hit everywhere. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, you but, have what? 1200 pages to choose from. <laughs> uh, and you, and you can't dismiss all of it because some of it's, it's got some wisdom to it, and some of it's just some stories. poetry. Yeah. But yeah, but Ken Ham is all about the fall and then the flood, and then yeah. somehow God can't fix things by killing everybody. <laughs> yeah, let's celebrate mass genocide. Woohoo! Ham was big on the historical science versus observational science. Yeah. The well. If you saw it, it's an observational science. But if you and it's true, then it's true. But if 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 you were if you weren't there, it's historical science, so it's not real science. And and he it's doesn't a, get out much because otherwise everything's true. And he doesn't go to magic shows because <laughs> that ball disappearing is totally totally true. Well, it's satanic. So. Somehow, I don't think that Cam Ham is going to go to a Penn and Teller show. <laughs> That would I be was gonna fab say. if he did, though. <laughs> or, or, or maybe he'll go to uh, the, the Lions and Tigers peoples. Oh, my. Uh, aren't they retired since one of them got mauled? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> but he might watch it on video. And when he does, he's probably in his little pink robe. <laughs> and I'm just going to leave it. furiously. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wait a minute. Ken Ham or? Yes. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Those tigers run the ark, you know. So yeah, Ken Ham and Bill Nye debate. The uh, Ham on Nye debate. Yeah, I, I, one of the th things I like how the 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 debate itself may not have been a silver bullet for creationism or anything there like that. But one of the consequences that I've seen from this is that it seems like in the last year, Bill Nye has been a lot more out and loud as a skeptic. A lot I would more, say ballsy, almost. Yeah, a lot more kind of <sighs> ballsy, confrontational of, no, I mean, this is science. We need real science, yeah. not this bullshit. But and this all started with a YouTube video of saying, having kids learn creationism is doing disservice to our kids yeah. and will we'll ruin our future, that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't think you realize the extent of, of creationism and the bad science. Or how how far we've fallen from the ideals that I think the United States used to have about educating their children. Yeah, we're we're starting to get this splinter and almost uh, educational caste mm -hmm. uh, of people who don't need who don't think they need to know anything. They just need to know so much. And and, and also they 
demonize the quote-unquote intellectual elite. Oh, well, yeah, as, as I was watching a Ivory John Dome. Hodgman comedy special where he was talking about it's a little silly that we loud the um, physically elite, so athletes and all this, they're wonderful people, but we seem to demonize the intellectual elite. So it'd be like saying, you know, how dare that Kobe Bryant be so good at basketball? He should have a big gut like me and, you know, be well, drunk at playing basketball too or something. Yeah, but I get I get the feeling that it's because a lot of people think that if they worked hard enough, they would be able to do that. Physically, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Whereas there's a lot of intellectual uh, loop-de-loops that people go through to get to and, – and it's and – it's, sometimes it's actually a little bit harder because – Physically, you can – oh, I can just have to push a little bit, but you can't push mentally. Some people don't think they can push mentally. Mm -hmm. Well, there's also sort of, a, I think, a fear and a backlash against philosophy because philosophy has let down some pretty awful, mm -hmm. awful places. So, And, of course, you but immediately – But it's, it's generally like a psychological defense mechanism sure. of I can't do that, so it must not be worth doing, and yeah. it's – science is evil. You can't tell me how to think. I just punch you. So, Gary, what was one of your second Something good, good ones? Um, graphene. Lots of cool graphene news came out. Okay. It's sort of a wonder material that, in fact, just recently they, they had a test of graphene that should be really good for armor. Uh, another podcast uh, talked about that. but uh, Sort of like a new Kevlar. Yes. Better than Kevlar, light, and more. It'd be more fabric-y. Ooh. Um, that would be awesome. Yeah. The other really cool thing about that is – not about that, but about graphene <laughs> – is they found that you can probably make it using just a standard blender. By, by, <laughs> a by blender? Putting, putting a slurry of graphene into a blender and just using those blades, it will actually pull the stuff thin enough that you can have a sheet of graphene as opposed to like shaving it off or using – Sticky uh, tape? Using sticky tape. Because I remember with the first discovery of graphene, they were able to do with just scotch tape yeah. on carbon, on yeah, a pencil and they, or something. and they found a better way to do it with, with a blender. A blender. Yeah. Well, okay. That's pretty fucking cool, because I got an oster at that. Exactly. <laughs> well, what we really need to do is like combine these kind of graphene technologies with 3D printing technologies. Sure. Yeah. To be able to like and 3D print which, I mean, that kind of stuff. And if you look at the the implications with that like being able to use graphene with a 3d printer especially considering 3d printing just got the biggest advertisement it's ever going to have with being able to 3d print tools in space, space. tools <laughs> in space you know <laughs> this is all sorts of really interesting ways of being able to use science in our everyday world because like 3d printing now is being used for casts to make a cast that is perfectly Bones. fit to a person mm -hmm. so that they can get in and scratch. Because if you've ever had a cast, those fucking things get itchy after about a mm -hmm. week and a half. You, you Like the, the 3D printed cast the, that has little holes spider in it? spider web. Yeah. It looks yeah. like spider web. But still strong enough material that it's, it's solid, but it breathes. So you yeah. don't have a smelly arm for two months, which I did once. And, oh, oh. I've been fortunate not have to have to do that. Yeah, um, but but the other thing is uh, they also found some interesting property about graphene, and unfortunately, I just completely forgot what it was. Uh, <laughs> uh, I had this something to do with uh, uh, sending current through it, and so we might be able to use it for circuits. Might be a conductor, okay? Uh, yeah, 
Um, I was afraid you were going to talk about it protecting unicorns or something. No, but it's great no, for that's dildos. for the elves. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I said that was for the elves, and you said dildos, and I, I'm just. I am actually glad that you guys were not thinking along the same wavelength, because that would have been really scary either way. <laughs> they're, they're, they're selling uh, graphene dildos at adamandeve.com. <laughs> okay, so my other one of my my pluses is this year they did a genomic study of the inhabitants of Easter Island. The and the island with the big stone heads. The island with the big stone heads, because that's kind of one of those things. Like, I mean, we talk a lot about how you know how have the Americas been populated and, and everything else. These small islands, much like when we're talking about in space. When you think about it, when back before we had GPS systems and before we had airplanes and everything else, actually hitting one of these islands as you crossed an ocean, kind of a rare thing. Yeah. And the only historical record that we have is the Dutch commander Jacob Rogaveen, who landed there with the ships in 1722. But we now have discovered, thanks to the use of being able to map the human genome, that the islanders of easter island their ancestry is 76 polynesian eight percent native american and 16 percent european which supports archaeological evidence of them coming to the united states or coming to north and south america on boats and then actually a generation or so back going back to their islands so, because we have this admixture of of dna so is it that a grand population came across the land bridge from Eurasia into the Americas and then took boats to Easter Island? No, what, or... what they believe is there's there's two scenarios. Either Native Americans sailed to Easter Island and, and met people who were already there. Right. Okay. Or Polynesians came to America and went back. Okay. And right now the evidence, they believe that it's most likely that these people went there and back. Um, and I'm going to quote here, given simulations proposed in previous studies demonstrate that all sailing voyages heading intentionally east from Easter Island would always reach the Americas with a trip lasting two weeks to approximately two months. On the other hand, the trip from Americas to Easter Island is much more difficult, which would have made it likely to fail or miss the islands completely from America. Easter Island is a small target, which may also have reason why it took Europeans so long to fight it. Huh. So I, it's just really neat. I mean, because you don't expect when you have such uh, an inclusive population, you don't expect to see European and Native American DNA in that admixture. So not only were they traveling and migrating, they were fucking along the way. Well, we're humans, and we fuck like humans. But uh, that also kind of implies that they had some pretty good navigational skills. Yeah. To hit a tiny little island. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it took us a while to figure out how to hit a fucking comet, but I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Being in a little rowboat and hitting one little island in the Pacific, that's pretty damn awesome. They're probably so, something larger than rowboats. <laughs> they, so no, they but didn't it is build one an of these, But <laughs> it, it's one of these things, though, that, once again, we'd, we're not having just this singular theory of how people actually got to America. It's more right. proof of this, this sort of across-the-ocean boat hopping that we've seen with Matt Dillahay out of Monteverde in um, South America. I mean, he's proposed that we've had civilizations here since 30,000 years ago, 
whereas the Beringia land theory is only like 15,000. So a lot of different waves of migration right. back and forth causing it to be a lot more messy and mixy-uppy. Yeah. Let's just leave it at messy. Well, yeah. that's probably the best way to... <laughs> but Let's... like I said, now we have archaeological evidence supported by science, supported by genomes. Cool. It's pretty fucking cool if you ask me. Well, I would suggest we do finish up the bad and then end on good so we're not okay. ending on a downer. Okay. So one more bad... Yeah. We'll start up, Gary. All right. Um, this year, this actually went through the entire year, and basically it's the climate change. That's the bad. We are learning more and more through uh, testing and the evidence is mounting up that we are causing problems, that the Earth is heating up. The last decade, every year since for at least the last 10 years, has been the hottest year on record for that time period. Mm -hmm. And this year is going to be no different. Along with that, we're seeing that uh, glaciers are melting at a far faster rate than what we were expecting. Because when they melt, they don't reflect as much sunlight, which makes it worse and worse and worse. Right, but, but there's, also, the there's also something that, that they didn't realize, especially in Greenland, uh, or Greenland, is that as the ice melts, they make little lakes and they kind of get warmed up. They get mm -hmm. harder and harder, and then they go down under. The, that warm water melts it from melts the bottom it, as well. Right, and yeah. so it's taken it out from underneath. And if you've ever put a big block of ice in your sink and tried to melt it, that's exactly what's happening. It looks fine on the surface, but underneath it's all got little <laughs> holes and stuff like that. What? I'm sorry, I'm thinking of the metaphor with a duck that's calm on the surface and underneath all the furious lakes yeah, going. Yeah, and, and, okay. Which is melting the ice. Exactly, uh -huh. so it's, it's almost the inverse of a, uh iceberg. The, the problem with that is that the, the Greenland glaciers are on land, which means they aren't displacing any water. So all of that water is going to raise... Uh, sea levels. Sea levels. Yeah. Now, the same thing's happening in, on the West Antarctic ice shelf. That's melting faster than they thought it was going to either. And again, that's not in the water either. So we got some problems. Along with that, <laughs> we have a crap load of politicians, especially ones that have just been voted in for 2016. And or that were, was actually were my already in Senate, but now are in positions of committee power. Yes. Not just that they're new members that are science deniers. You also have them being the head of committees like the science committee. The environment. Representative Lamar Smith. Yeah. From Texas, who was my, who was my vote for Ooh bad <laughs> because he is f formally setting back studies. I mean, yeah. when you have the head of the national science committee as a climate change denier, and when he brings in a group of people called the intergovernmental panel on climate change, which are either flat-out climate deniers or, as ob observations put, two hours climate change deniers interrupted, berated, and cut off Dr. Michael Oppenheimer, who is a globally recognized climate change scientist who is almost universally respected in the field. Perhaps not shockingly, he was also one of the witnesses selected by the Democrats because he is one of the foremost experts in the world on climate change. We got to stand up to those experts. Right. <laughs> While the other witnesses fielded softball questions from conservative lawmakers and dodged tougher ones from Democratic, from Democratic questions, at one point, Representative Larry Butchison? Butch Bukeson? I don't know. Whatever. 
Larry, Representative Larry, (laughs) Republican from Indiana, who seconds before had interrupted Oppenheimer and said he wasn't interested in hearing his views and wanted to apologize on behalf of Congress to another climate change science denier for the aforementioned juvenile and insulting questions trying to disparage the credibility of a witness who didn't take climate change seriously. Hmm. And these are the people running our country. Yay, America. There is some good in that uh, didn't uh, the U.S. and China just signed uh, like a post-Kyoto accord Kyoto. 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 That's not what it was going for. So Obama and the premier of China fucked and decided that they were going to agree to work on climate change. And I think this was like a, a preamble to a possible global treaty. It, well, I think 130 countries finally signed something. Yeah. Uh, but emission standards. it's like, OK, well, Obama agreed to that, but it has to be ratified by Congress, which is a problem. Yeah, it won't be. And then, of course, you have people. How do you enforce it? That's and that's the other problem. Yeah, so. yeah. but it's it's a li- it's, it's an idea. It's progress. It's it's people actually saying this is a problem we have to work on. Yeah. So it's it's so frustrating how incremental the progress is on climate change, because. The science is in. I'm sorry, but there's you know there's not there's not a debate anymore. The Earth is getting warmer, and it logically makes sense and scientifically makes sense right. that we are doing it. Okay, that's what I was about to say. Uh, the, I mean, the evidence points to we are doing it, and it just makes sense if you just have a basic understanding of the CO2 greenhouse model. It's really simple to explain that to a, a, five, a fifth grader. And go on, can you be smarter than a fifth grader or something, and explain that right, but greenhouse lot- gases trap sun light, and heat and all that. Right, but one of the guys I work with who is suffering from the, the Dunning-Kruger effect uh, says, ah, but when a molecule absorbs heat, it radiates it in all directions. And so it can easily radiate out to space just as well as it can radiate it into the earth now, this is a guy who has a chemical engineering degree mm-hmm. uh so he which thinks, actually scares me yeah some heat is lost to space yes but we are but if it's, we're, it's it's like saying well it's volume yeah it's problem but it's also saying okay well it used to be that there was a light blanket on the earth and then we over the last hundred years we've been adding three comforters and saying that, yes, some heat does get lost, but we're still trapping more and more inside. And we're creating more. Yes. Right. But so. it, it said, because also most of the new Republican elections, or electorate, have vowed to actually take on the EPA this year. That was part of their platform. Yeah, we're going to really fuck up America because uh, they're going to remove the regulations that will keep oil spills from happening. They're going to push through the, the actual the pipeline. pipeline. Uh, They've already been starting with the bank regulations. Yeah, with the yeah. whole budget. That so just let's happens, just but. let's just admit it. America's fucked. Yep. Yeah, which unfortunately fucks the world because, as much as we are not the only power in the world, we are a major power, like, like it or not. And if we chose to do something about it and be a leader in the world, we could do awesome things. We could do some kind of worldwide Apollo program to fix the climate. But we don't have the will. My my favorite one is these Republican electorates are saying, well, I'm not a scientist, so I don't. Yeah, but 
they're not fucking accountants, but they're making a fucking budget. <laughs> so this argument of I'm not a scientist and I've got to stand up to the experts or whatever, it's all bullshit. Most of them are lawyers. And when you're a lawyer in a courtroom, it all depends on who can make the most convincing argument. Denningberger. Not who can prove evidence. Evidence is, is secondary to swaying the jury or, you know, fixing it's your experts winning. and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. It's not about the truth. It's about winning. Yeah. That sucks. Right. Here you go. Well, I, I have, I actually have two more bad things, but, um, it seemed like you wanted to do one and one more. Go ahead. No. Uh, Cause I, I actually had, I have a, a small one. Okay, I'm going to do a small bad one, and then you do a small bad one. I have a one small bad one. Okay, I can we'll, make mine small. We'll do some more bad ones, and then and we'll figure something out. All right. Yeah, no, my, so, my just real quick is like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> my, um, my bad one um, is the June 30th Burwell versus Hobby Lobby decision. Uh -huh. That allowed Hobby Lobby to decide that they're not going to pay for contraceptives, specifically the emergency after a pill and IUDs because they think it is abortificants and that in, this is a just a bad precedent setting decision to say that a company's owner's religious beliefs equal the company's religious beliefs which means that it equals the employee's religious beliefs it does not equal the employee's belief so it overrides whatever that is and means that Basically, the whole point of – I mean people like Scalia even said years ago, conservative Mr. Scalia said you have to ha – you can't have religious exemptions for for, for laws. For profit business. For, for profit business, but also laws in general. Otherwise, the laws don't mean anything. Well, yeah. You, well, you can't – Everybody you, can say they have an exception yeah, you, to you it. You can't have a la carte laws. Yeah. That's just dumb. You can't pick one from column A and one from yeah. column B. Exactly. <laughs> but kind of a combination of the five – well, four plus one conservative judges and the – was it the Religious Freedom Restoration Act that allowed this kind of thing that said you had to protect companies' religious beliefs and people's religious beliefs more than the First Amendment already did is just really crappy. And and I am I'm, – I'm really surprised we haven't had a, you know, Scientologist-owned company saying we're not going to cover psychiatry or – well, all that kind of stuff. Well, it, it really pisses me off that they're not, they're not going to pay for IUD because identity unelf disorder is a real yeah, problem, problem in society, <laughs> and you know people going around thinking they're elves, uh, they, they they need help, okay? And Hobby Lobby should be hiring these people, and you know, in helping them to overcome their their unelf and work back disorder. into society. Absolutely, yes. get them out of the trees. I agree. Get they're, them eating meat. They're elf-hating bastards. <laughs> think of the unicorns. Why won't somebody please think of the unicorns? <laughs> so my last bad thing is something that we haven't talked about yet on Skeptic Wire, but we will probably be addressing sometime this coming year. Mm. And that is going to be Vani Hari, a.k.a. the Food Babe. We have talked about the Food Babe before. Because we talked about the Subway yoga mat chemical thing. Right. That was all the food babe person. Right. And her uh, propylene glycol equals propylene glycol something with fish. I can't remember. Uh, al <laughs> alginate. Propylene. Okay. Propylene glycol, which we know is antifreeze and de-icing, is not the same as propylene glycol alginate, 
which is used as a preservative. Yeah. Or uh, actually helps keep the foam in beer down or something. Basically, the it sounds like a scary chemical, so it must be bad. Right. And yeah. so she does a lot of this. She is not a scientist. And she's been described as the Jenny McCarthy of food politics. She doesn't even, <laughs> she doesn't even play a scientist on TV. Well, she actually does have a degree in computer science. But she, like I said, she's all of this. Oh, you don't, don't buy a food if you can't pronounce everything on its on its ingredients right. list. Okay, I know plenty of people who cannot pronounce dihydrogen monoxide, <laughs> but they bathe in it, drink in it, utilize it every fucking day. Or there's great memes where they show all the chemical ingredients in a banana. Right. And, oh, arsenic. Let's eat some of that. <laughs> apples. But not as much in apples as there used to be. Right. But she just, she has this you know, I'm going to send my army out now. I'm making people change and we're going to eat healthier and everything else. <sighs> I just, ugh. I can't stand her. Yeah. Because it's bad science. She's very good at the equivocation fallacy. Yes. Really has grown out of the anti-GMO, natural foods, label the GMOs, that right. kind of same movement. But at the same time, like if she gives a speech at a university... She doesn't allow for Q&A because there was a recent one where she gave a speech and they, there were professors lined up ready to call her out on her shit, but she wouldn't do a Q&A. But, but then she goes back and rewrites history and says, oh, no, no, there are lots of people asking questions afterwards. Right. Which is unfortunately a long Disingenuous and Well, no, uneducated. there probably were, but it was probably students yeah. who had cornered her on her way out and they weren't. They were our students. They were sycophants. They were the true believers. Right. And so. uh, Probably elves. I just, I really dislike that because she's also kind of on this, the vaccine inserts. Know what's in your vaccine. Mm -hmm. We all know what's in vaccines. And if you want to get your, your panties in a twist. Yes. They use aborted cells from like 1960. (laughs) If you go back. I don't know about all that. I, I. It's basically they, they're using cells that have been generated from two aborted fetuses back in the 60s as a sort of a growth medium for vaccines. Well, I'm creeped out now. <laughs> okay. And, there, and she says, you know, read the insert and see what all of the problems are that are with vaccines. Every time that you do a study on a vaccine, anybody who's had any sort of a problem, even if they've died in a car wreck two days later, that has to be listed as a possible side effect so death is a possible side effect because some bozo's mother drove through a red light and got hit by a car and the little kid died the problem is that you've got people like the food babe who are saying well know your chemicals what's in your food or whatever or know what's in a vaccine or something well the fact is that the general population does not have the time nor the education to really honestly know and understand everything that's right. in a vaccine. I mean, we're we're vaccine nerds because we're in the skeptical movement and we know that uh, aluminum is a um, 
Adjudicium. Aluminium, for those of you in the Adjudicium. Adjudicium, which kind of basically irritates the immune system into reacting and having a better immune response to the vaccine. So we understand those kind of basics where someone just says, oh, aluminum, what's that doing? Thimerosal. Aluminum equals thimerosal. Yeah, we know some stuff about vaccines, so we're a little bit more informed, but even we don't know everything to do with every vaccine. At a certain point, as much as this pisses off the anti-Monsanto type crowd and the anti-Big Pharma crowd, at a certain point, we just have to trust that other people who know better than we do are doing the science and are being double-checked by other people. Right, And And, and the unwillingness to trust any of that process means that no one's going to take anything or, or eat anything except that something they've grown out of their own garden. And that is not a feasible way to have a big society like we do. Right. Which is why I'm really thankful to people like Steve Novella, science-based medicine. And there's been two offshoots. Thanks to food babe. They're science babe and food hunk who are purposely out there saying, no, this is the truth. Yeah. So the truth is out there. You're <laughs> find it. Unfortunately, Whee! sensationalists like the food babe, it's a lot easier there from just throw out more bullshit right. than the other people to take the time to research and know what the fuck's going on. Now, I have to give food babe one sort of credit. There's a lot of people who discredit her just because she is very pretty. Okay. And she is. She is attractive and saying, well, she can't possibly know this. Basically, she's the she's the playboy model of the a big food. I, I, it doesn't even sure. have to be the attractiveness. There are some people who discount her just because she's a woman. Right. And that's horrible, but too. I will give her that. This is the only point that I'm going to give her is don't discount her because she's a woman and because she's attractive. Discount her because she's peddling utter bullshit yeah. that is easily refuted by Google. <laughs> Dr. Oz is kind of attractive and has no, some education. Not. He can be attractive to some people. His wallet's attractive. He is <laughs> okay. Not, that's true. He is not fugly. Let's put it that way. He is. Okay. He is not an ugly person, and he has some education. And he, even he's throwing out utter bullshit. We can discount both of them for the same reason that they're peddling anti-science, not just pseudoscience, but they're they're anti-science. Nope, I agree. But we'll probably be discussing more of the food babe because I'm sure she's going to open up her mouth. And say something that pisses me off again. Yes. And well, there she, you go. She may well jump the shark pretty Yeah, soon. I definitely see her as someone who's putting a lot of sand in your flip-flops. So I'm sure we will we will be talking about her from time to time. An okay. irritant. Yes, yeah. no, I got that. I, I think just, he was thinking a little further north than flip-flops. Yeah, flip-flops, are, you tend to expect sand in the flip-flop. I think he's thinking my bikini bottom. It's... It's still annoying to have sand in your sandals. True. But not as annoying as elsewhere. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but this is a family podcast. Is it? Yes. Oh, that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gary, some bad stuff? Yeah, so... I, th- I think you had one little... I had one. Little just, bad yeah, stuff. Just one that's like, oh. Uh, Venus Express mission by, I think, it's the ESA is finally considered to be over. They are out of fuel, so 16th of December, they said they're, they're just going to let it spiral into Venus and uh, eventually give up the ghost. There are ghosts get some on data. Venus? Huh? There are ghosts on Venus? Yes, There's there are. ghosts on Mars. There's unicorns. <laughs> and elves and gnomes. And elves, but they live in the upper atmosphere, 
where where there are lakes and fronds, where and, they're yeah. they're uh, considering having a cloud city on Venus now, blimps and stuff. No, seriously, uh, it's one of the ideas to study Venus is because the atmosphere is so so thick, they might be able to get blimps or even like those little cloud city looking things floating on the upper atmosphere mm-hmm. and uh, to, to be able to study them. So. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Not also, for a while. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be like next year or even probably It's a fairly 20. corrosive atmosphere as well. Yeah, it's not so, so. good. Yeah. But, so they'll need a lead balloon is what you're yeah. saying. <laughs> and there, I, I think there's lots of uh, electrical activity. So it might be that. But it'll be interesting to see uh, what see. they learn on there. All right. So before we go to our last round of all goods... I have one last bad, and um, it is like Gary had earlier, kind of a three-in-one, three stories in one really just horrible ickiness, and I kind of put this all under the umbrella on how women are being treated, and especially uh, young women and children and stuff like that. So it combines the, the stories of the Boko Haram kidnapping of the girls in April which led to the bring back our girls hashtag of these 276 schoolgirls who were kidnapped and then sold into sexual slavery. And we haven't found them all yet. Or like 50 have escaped, but there's still some 200 plus that are missing. still missing. And just the, the whole concept of Boko Haram, that the, the meaning of their organization is that Western education is bad and that they're willing to go to these lengths of hurting children and kidnapping and murdering. Cause there's been like a couple thousands worth of deaths attributed to Boko Haram just this year. So that's Which one part of that religion. So we'll just say yeah. religion, uh, the ISIS group, who are kidnapping girls and sending, selling them Doing into the slavery. the exact same thing, which is yeah. mainly religion, so we'll call it religion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was uh, apparently fairly recently the, Bo- the ISIS group in like places like Mosul that they've taken over, they've released a, a pamphlet, Questions and Answers on Female Slaves and Their Freedom, which some like 60% of it is all about how you can have sex with your female slaves. Yeah. You know, if, if they're... If you just got them and you know that they're virgins, go ahead, have at it, have as much sex as you want. But if you don't know if they're virgins, you have to wait for their first period to come by and then you can have at it. If they're prepubescent, that's okay. As long as they're, um, what is the word? Uh, yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. A lot of, and, and it's up on their website. So just the, the idea that they, they can treat women any way they want and that th- this is still an idea in 2014. Yeah. Well, and biblical. Yeah, the last story, which is very recent, which was the December 2014, uh, the Tariq e Taliban Pakistan, the terrorist attack, attack on the public school in Pakistan that just happened like last week, where 145 people, including mostly children, were killed by this by this Taliban outgrowth that um, basically were getting revenge on some raids in their territory and the best way that they can think of for Taliban people being arrested and imprisoned is to kill children. Sure. I mean, but yeah. the right, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the worst thing you could possibly do to someone else is kill their children. Yeah. Is it a moral ethical or any, in any, any religion whatsoever? Is it, is it good in any religion to kill someone else's child? No, mm-hmm. of course not. But as far as getting back, they're absolutely right. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's disgusting, and I, it's it's the kind of thing where I hoped when when 
I mean, we've seen with Boko Haram and ISIS that people are really turning against these kind of groups and saying, this is just horrible. I mean, there's still people who say, well, they're not the right kind of Islam there's, or whatever. There's no true Muslim. Yeah. And, and I was hoping with the Pakistan case that Pakistan was finally going to say, you know what? Fuck this shit. We're not taking this crap from the Taliban anymore. We're just going to start fighting them like we should have yeah. been for the last 10 years. Right. But the, the president of Pakistan turns around and blames the U.S. for this because they didn't root out the Taliban when they were in Afghanistan. Yeah. No, it does and they don't take it, it, it comes any, down to yeah. it, they're going through uh what from what i understand they're going through the same thing that christianity went through with with the crusades and everything mm-hmm. one of the differences is of course that that was just swords and arrows and all the same you traditional killer kill as many rape. people yeah. with the yeah. technology some 600 years ago yeah right but now it's very easy to do you know you can get 12 people to do what an entire army had to do. Yeah. And you also have internet Except websites where you can lure, lure young Western girls to come and fight for ISIS and they end up being sex slaves. Yeah. yeah because that's just a okay because they're non-believers. Yep. Yeah. So Boko Haram, ISIS and the Pakistan Taliban. And all, I mean, it's not to say that Islam is the only religion that falls under this, this it's the one umbrella that we're of currently. crappy religious beliefs and how they can control and affect women and children, especially. I mean, men don't have a great shake either under Islam because, you know, your beard is too short. Let's chop off his head. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> you're kind of reveling in the dark right now. Well, yeah, it just it, <laughs> but it pisses me off. I, I, I concur. So and. <laughs> You, you, you that, just, that is definitely that. So, do you have anything good? All right, sure. I'll, <laughs> let's let's, uh, let's let's reverse the happy place. Yes, happy let's go place, to happy, happy place. place. Well, despite some setbacks in places like I think Uganda and Nigeria and stuff, especially in the Western world, 2014 has been a really good year for gay rights, which, in my view, are also secular rights because it's saying that. We cannot have these laws against gay people and gay marriage just because your religion says it's a bad thing. The laws have to apply to everybody, which is kind of going back to that um, Hobby Lobby case. But essentially that there have been a slew of decisions. I mean, I look through Wikipedia and it seems like almost every month some state was overturning, getting their marriage ban overturned. Some of them were stayed. Some of them were going forward. And even in, what was it, in October, you had the Supreme Court basically getting five of those states as one big kind of omnibus court case, and they denied the appeal request and said, we're not going to consider this. The lower court's ruling of this is illegal stands. So you had places like Indiana, Oklahoma, Utah, Virginia, and Wisconsin, and many other states which may follow the same thing. So I, I think it's been a positive year for things like gay rights. Inclu- it's, been a, it's been a big year. Yeah. For, I mean, even even little things like, what was his name? Uh, Michael Sam, the defensive end football player guy, getting drafted as an out gay man in the manliest of manly sports that we have in this country, football. That's the, that's the kicking, punting, uh, throwy football, not the kicky soccer ball into netty football. Uh, right. But um, – it's it's just been there. I think it's some thirty two states in the United States plus 
places like Scotland and um, the Finland or something like that who have normalized gay marriage, which Finland, is just – it's Finland. it shows just how accepted and how much the swing of the culture has come to say gay people are not horrible people. They deserve the same rights as everybody else. And you've had politicians in the election we had this year in 2012, 2014. Ugh, where is it? Um, it's almost who, 2015. <laughs> who are the conservative politicians who have been anti-gay marriage, anti-gay for years and years and years. They were mum on the subject this year. You had people like Scott Walker, the, the, the governor of Wisconsin, basically saying, it's a lost cause. I'm not going to even bother with it. I mean, you have people like Michelle Bachman who are going out of – out of style and they kind of they're they're the last hurrah but it's a non-issue now and and with the fact that another court of appeals upheld a state ban on um gay marriage in like Michigan and Ohio that that conflicts with another state of appeals means we will probably get a court case on this to yeah, make a the, national decision right now it's the the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled against marriage equality, therefore setting up the Supreme Court battle, which should be heard shortly after the first of the year. But it looks like gay marriage is actually going to be coming to Texas very, very soon. Hopefully. Because yeah. it, it's basically been repealed here in Texas. It's now just a matter of somebody actually saying, yeah, go ahead, yeah. get married. Well, uh, <laughs> the, in looking through the court cases over the year, besides like the, the, like every month there was some state that was overturning it. I, I saw the trend of early in the year, there were a lot more of the cases that they would overturn it, but put a stay on it. Two or three cases towards the latter half of the year, they overturned it and said, and refused to put a stay on their own decision. So they, they see this much precedence and see this much progress and say, no, there's no reason to put a stay on this. There's, there's, it's, it's there. So, well, uh, on a bad note about that, the San Antonio GOP is actually considering a resolution to try and for their for the GOP platform, basically coming out against our own city's non discrimination yeah. ordinance. That seems to be the newest kind of borderline or, or battle line in this trench war over gay marriage and the, the society of now it's the non-discrimination ordinance ordinances it tied in with kind of like, well, we want this religious freedom to discriminate bills. Like I think in Michigan or something, they had one of those. We talked about it in the last couple of weeks, yeah. but the, the line is moving. It is kind of the shrinking kind of moving goalposts of gay marriage is going to happen and it's going to happen damn soon. So it's they're they're looking for other wedge issues and, right. and they're well, getting they're having it's it's like the the creationist and intelligent designers they have to be a lot more careful in their language of being bigoted assholes. So it's well, progress. the Bear County Republican <laughs> Party will vote uh, whether to accept or reject the resolution during their executive meeting on January eighth, which also has a clause in it stating that the party will urge voters to. Throw the rascals out and elect officials who will carry out our resolutions, basically getting rid of yeah. San Antonio's non-discrimination ordinance. Well, a lot of times you've seen with these so, party platforms that the smaller, more insular, local tea party type groups end in, add in a lot of that extreme language. But by the time it gets to the state and definitely about the national level, the, the guys who know and gals who know that – that kind of language is not going to win a presidential election or start taking that language out. So, eh, some progress. So, yes, 
our brothers and sisters in gayness and lesbianness are having some progress. <laughs> I'm tired. I have a cold. I I was trying to be eloquent and it failed abysmally. <laughs> but positive steps. And again, brings us back around to that it is a positive step for secular values and basically establishing that we have a nation of secular laws, which means you can't just look, point at your Bible and say, because of that, we have to have a law against gay people. Yep. And shrimp. Yes. Well, speaking <laughs> of and shrimp, this leads to my actual... <laughs> it does, actually. Leads to my last good thing. This month, they actually did a study of the Mariana Trench, which is the deepest point on Earth. And they found a new species of snailfish. Actually, they're not really sure if it's snailfish. It's something they haven't seen. Is it that like ghostly, tentacly looking one that's kind of like a mini Cthulhu thing? Yes. A ghost Cthulhu? (laughs) Right. So these, these fish, deep sea fish have a higher level of a chemical known as trimethylene oxide in them. And they... The scientists have always kind of said, you know, well, where's, you know, the maximum amount that they, the maximum depth that these things could live. And they were always figuring around 8,200 meters below sea level. And they've actually, this ghost fish, whatever this snail fish, not snail fish, whatever it is, was found at a depth of 8,143 meters. So it's really close to that, you know, where they had kind of, scientists had kind of drawn that line. Yeah, okay. So this is really I mean, we've gone to the outer reaches of space, landed on a fucking comet, down to the, I mean, the depths of the Mariana Trench. That chemical you mentioned, do they say what it's, what they think it's reason why they have a lot of concentration of it? It helps proteins maintain shape as pressure melts. Okay. So uh, a a high pressure environment like the deep, deep sea. Yeah. Okay. And then probably these snail, ghostly snailfish Cthulhu-y things probably live on uh, smaller parts. krill or whatever that yeah. that feed on the geothermic vents because their yep. shit ain't light down that far. Right. So, or well, like stuff, I said, that, or stuff have... that drops from the upper ocean and right. they feed on scavenging But, stuff. I mean, we're talking about 8,200 meters yeah, take below that, sea Ver- level <laughs> down there. So, you, we've found like basically at the the lowest point of the earth that we could get to. There is life. Yeah. You know, that's pretty fucking cool to be, you know, that's going awesome. with the camera going around and going, whoa, Cthulhu's down here. <laughs> well, that, <laughs> that does kind of tie back to one of Gary's earliest best stories about uh, Enceladus, was it? Enceladus, the, yeah. Enceladus, the, the, the moon on Saturn, because there's big oceans there. And because we found that life... Finds a way. Finds a way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that that it, it's. I mean, I always think of it this way: that there was some ideal place for life to start on the Earth, and then it just spread and found a way throughout. It filled all the nooks and crannies that it could. So maybe that ideal place didn't exist on some of the moons, but maybe it did. And the 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 ever widening uh, definition of where life can exist just on Earth can help us find life maybe elsewhere in the planet. Maybe there are those mini cows on Mars or Mars. Maybe when we finally can image another planet in some other system and find sure. life. Yeah. I just, like I said, I just think it's neat because it's, it's all the scientists have said 
this is a first. This is this species. This is the first time that we've ever seen it. Mm-hmm. That's and, and it's a complex. Cool. Yeah, it's not. It's not it's, like a little microbe or a. It's not like a brine shrimp yeah. Yeah. or just a slightly different shade of beetle. Yeah. That has yeah. this extra prong on one of its feelers, so it's a different species. It is a full-on new thing. Yeah. Cool. So that was my last yay for science. Yay. I have one last thing that I think is pretty cool. I'm looking forward to the future. Google. <laughs> Google. Google. <laughs> I, for, <laughs> I, for one, welcome our Google overlords. <laughs> you watched the uh, Keith Lowell Jensen I, special, I, yeah, didn't you? I bought uh, Keith Lowell Jensen's uh, Atheist Christmas CD. It's funny. It's also available on Hulu, people who don't have access to his CD. This September, uh, Google got uh, driverless cars on the road and got the go-ahead in California, Nevada, and Florida to test them on the road. Cool. Right now, they're not going any more than 25 miles per hour while they're on the road because there's a lot of work they have to do. There's so much stuff that goes into this as far as the control systems. For a driverless car, because it's not just other drivers on the street. You also have to look for bicyclists, pedestrians, motorcyclists, motorcyclists, uh, birds, birds, dogs, squirrels. <laughs> it, um, interestingly squirrels. enough, today the guy who does uh, Matt Inman, I think, from the Oatmeal, he he got to ride in a in a Google car and he had a, a write up about it. And one of the things that I didn't know is that well, I knew that they used laser and radar to to map the terrain. But the radar can see through objects, and so the car would wait for a pedestrian that's hiding behind a hedge. <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's that awesome. awesome. <laughs> yeah. It also has to make a decision, like if a pedestrian comes up to the edge of the street and looks like they're going to cross, just as you do, the car has to make a decision on if, whether the pedestrian is going to be walking across. Does it look like there. they're going to stop or does it look yeah. like they're going to keep so going? So that is a crap load of data and modeling that needs to go into that to see what the hell the thing is another human is going to do. And humans aren't rational. So yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just really excited about the techno- technology and hopefully eventually in the near future, I don't have to bloody drive. <laughs> I can sit there and read my book, do something else while other things are going on. So you're hoping for like the Jetson future where you just yeah. kind of press the button and say, I want to go to basically sprockets. And- Absolutely. I mean, if we had a, a good infrastructure here in San Antonio, you know, or in the United States uh, where you didn't have to like go an hour to the airport, sit there for an hour where you could just get on and go right. like a train. Some kind of like multi-pod system where you get in your little pod and oh, that'd be cool. boop, yeah. boop, boop, I want to go to Chicago and it goes on the local roads in this pod yeah. and then lo- joins up with other pods in like a more train or plane situation or something. That would so be cool. So it, it's, it's, it's more like um, the shipping containers, how they're universal for trucks right. and ships and trains and all that. We'd make that for well, yeah, a but, habitation module. But Yeah, but, but you wouldn't even need to, to have them all. You could have all different forms because the cool thing about having a train of cars that are all talking together is they all know when the other one's going to stop. Yeah. Right or or break off so it can communicate, and then you also get the benefit of being uh, of drafting, so mm-hmm. you save gas, or at least one or two cars do. <laughs> one at the front kind of gets screwed. <laughs> well, that's, I think it's the one in the back you, also. You you do what uh, animals Birds, yeah. and stuff. You, you they you take turns. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, I thought uh, I knew that they had got it in California. I heard that that mm-hmm. that they they were allowed to do local testing, but to see you know. 
Florida, uh, which is great, you know, because you know the Florida drivers, old people. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're the ones who need. Hey, I am. Cards. I am still waiting for Google Fiber to come to yeah. San Antonio. Yeah. I, for one, am welcoming our Google overlords. <laughs> So well, wasn't there something was it in Austin that someone drove into a pedestrian crowd? Yeah, South by Southwest. South yeah. by Southwest. And well, I mean, if you have a well, lot they of they did that on purpose. I remember no, there was there was something back when I used to live in Los Angeles, there was a couple of incidents out in like Santa Monica where just some old guy pressed on the gas pedal wrong and plowed into a farmer's market, that kind of thing. Sure, we had the guy uh yeah. at Texas Tech had a heart attack and went that can be avoided if and and give our elderly some more independence yeah. if they're al- allowed to have a little self-driving car yeah. so they don't have to sit at home and be isolated and it helps them be involved in the community more exactly maybe live longer so awesome before we end this wrap up i want to do one thing uh google has please gary keep your pants on nope zip. okay uh it's more like zip Speak for yourself. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm just staying completely out of that one. So, uh, Google had the the list of the top nine, top ten things that people had searched for throughout the year. Right, and it was like World Cup soccer, Robin Williams, ISIS, yeah. that kind of stuff. Ebola, yeah, yeah of course. Well, Yahoo had the same thing. They had the top ten. So I thought we could just go real th- real quick through and comp- uh, real quickly through them and compare. Okay. To see the difference between who uses Yahoo in searches and who uses Google in searches. I assume that based on the, the, the lists that both of these have, I am guessing they probably edited out the porn searches. Yes. No, there's no po- – well – Okay. Get into it, Gary. Uh, there's no actual porn. Right. However – There are probably nude photo searches there like are, Jennifer Lawrence. There are names. <laughs> So, uh, Yahoo, number 10, Jennifer Aniston. Google didn't have a number 10, so we don't know. Number 9, Yahoo, iPhone 6. Number 9, Google, Frozen. Number 8, Yahoo, Miley Cyrus. Number 8, Google, Ferguson. Okay. So, already we're getting into some social stuff. Uh, Number 7, Yahoo, Frozen. Number 7, Google, ISIS. Number 6, Kim Kardashian, Yahoo, Number six, Google, ALS Bucket Challenge. Hmm. Number five, Kaylee Cuoco. <laughs> Number five, Google, Flappy Bird. <laughs> okay. That so was- we, we got, we, Google got a little bit out of there. Right there. Uh, number four, Yahoo, Jennifer Lawrence. Number four, Google, Malaysian Airlines. Number three, Yahoo, Ariana Grande. Or Ariana Grande. Number three, Google, Ebola. Mm-hmm. Number, hey, two, hey, hey, number two, <laughs> Yahoo Minecraft. Huh. Weird. That that that's high. Yeah, it's not number, a new thing. Number number two, Google World Cup, and the number one, Yahoo Search, for Yahoo. But the number one for Google was Robin Williams. Hmm. It seems like Yahoo had a lot more people. Mm-hmm. Than than subjects where Google was more subjects than people. Well, well Google was the only person was Robin, Robin Williams. Williams, yeah, and, and he Yahoo. was the number one. And he was the number one, yeah. And that was more about like, yeah, you know, what happened to him. People looking up his career. Well, I know and that when when his old movies when it was first announced that Robin Williams had committed suicide, 
there was very much like the Paul Walker. There was a lot of people who were going, no, this can, this, this is a joke. And that probably is what contributed because there was a lot of people who said this couldn't have possibly happened. It has to be a joke. And then it really required reputable sources such as IMDB, which was updated by Robin Williams agent or yes, this is now on CNN, CNN, Hollywood reporter, reputable sources, as opposed to like, I don't know, TMZ and National <laughs> Enquirer. Yeah. Uh, but but the in- interesting thing is they also broke it down. Uh, well, both of them broke it down by uh, also by categories. So as far as I could tell, all of these were the top searches. Um, but it's, it's possible that Google has another category of top searches because mm-hmm. they had – they were, they had uh, Yahoo had eight different things and Yahoo or, or Yahoo had eight different things and Google had like pages of 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 subcategories <laughs> that you could be. So I think that those were the were the top yeah. nine for both of them. Yeah, it just seems like most of those on the Yahoo were probably so and so nude photo search. That's that's yeah, well, or well, bikini not necessarily or, because like I when I heard about the Jennifer Lawrence thing, I googled it to read about it, not to find the pictures. But okay, not everything. Not everybody is as good a person as right, I but, am, but, though. But the difference is is that the I was thinking the uh, clients, the clientele who use each one. Yahoo mm-hmm. is a little bit more social TV. Mm-hmm. And Google seems to be more if you want need to find something, yeah, <laughs> more information. So I yeah. want to figure out, I'll find out about it's, ISIS. Google's I want to find out nerdy. about the World Cup. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, either yeah, that either. or Google played with his analytics to make themselves look like they weren't the porn new- search of the MP3s. Could be, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. Take from it what you will. If but I mean I use Google. Pretty much primarily for my uh, searching. Yeah, for porn. so do yeah. I. Yeah. yeah, but they don't give me any money. So. Well, I think this entire episode was all about what we learned, not just this week, but this year. All year. Yeah, yeah. so I don't have to tell you shit for what you learned. Oh, well, actually, we should probably mention that we learned that elves, gnomes. unicorns, gnomes, <laughs> mermen. Uh, what else was in there? Uh, are real. Are they're real. Yes. They're yeah. not fake because elves, fake. Are, elves are not fake. Sorry, dot com. They have scouts. They appear to all be migrating to North Carolina. Carolina. Uh, they are pretty Look. much the uh, elves are pretty much the combination of of uh, ponies and monkeys and a pandas and, pandas. and bamboo. Yeah. yeah, they're the keepers of wisdom. They've keepers of wisdom. Yep. Huge ass books and protectors of. Of and unicorns. unicorns and pointed hats because they're scouts right. and they sell. There's nets and there's fish and, and there's my oranges and apples God, that on guy skewers. Was crazy. Oh my! Yeah, <laughs> oranges and apples on skewers and they have on bamboo progress. that they can eat afterwards. <laughs> and they in have... a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, you can fill an entire community in the Prius. I wanted. I wanted like interview a waiter at that Chinese restaurant. With this guy who's like talking to other people around the table, and he's there by himself. Like, hi, how do you like your oranges? It's well, like, maybe, I, I, but considering the pictures, maybe he just picks up you know little people and says, that, "Oh, well, these <laughs> this must 
this must be an elf. Come, come, my little elven friends. <laughs> let's come. I will play you the song of your people. Let's <laughs> let's go to the local Chinese buffet <laughs> where you can eat the yeah. bamboo chopsticks. So you're welcome, folks. Go watch oh, that video, beaver, of course. Yeah, and beaver, and beaver. Yeah. Watch the rest of the videos. Have that you can binge on that over the break. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for joining us, and I guess we will talk with you. Gosh, next year. Next year. Next year. In the new year. So goodbye. Uh, goodbye. Oh, I should probably thank you too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thanks, Donna. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Greg. And <laughs> I like this isn't enough of a supersized episode already. <laughs> thank you, Gary. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, dear listener, for being patient through all of this crap. And yeah, because there's a lot of crap that we waited through tonight. Yeah. 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 They lost some brain cells. Okay. Good night. Bye. The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the PodPosted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. Attention, this is part two of a two-part podcast. If you've not listened to part A, please go to your appropriate aggregator, download part A, listen to it, enjoy it, and then come bark. Come bark. Woof, woof. All right, let's try this again. <laughs>